Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show, and I am joined with a very, very special guest this time around. He is our new assistant coach. His name is Palm Simona. Palm, how the hell are you? I'm bloody well, thank you. Thank you for, for the lovely intro. Um, spoke to be on here. Great. Um, we also have our very, very excellent. Uh, you're, you're an outrider, Dave. You're one of the. You're the first. You're the first outrider. We've got Dave McVeigh here, Diamond Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? Can't get rid of me. I'm the gum on the bottom of your shoe. I'm doing well, Phil. I'm doing well. <laughs> um, we love to have you on here, Dave, of course. Uh, appreciate you joining us once again. It's been a while, man, but uh, I want to go ahead and get to the questions with Palm here. He is joining us from the great country of Australia right now. You're going to be traveling very soon, I think. So let's get right into the questions. Where are you from? Um, so I'm Auckland's home for me, Auckland, New Zealand. Okay. Um, yeah. But I am mom, um, Samoan descent. I uh -huh. grew up in Auckland, um, and Auckland's what I, where I consider home. So I've been living in Melbourne for 10 years, for the last 10 okay. years. Very good. Yeah, so we do have a uh, Free Jack on the, the squad there that was born and raised in Australia, uh, Mitch Wilson, who's a USA international but moved to the United States um, and is USA eligible that way. But uh, I was not aware that you're from Auckland originally, a New Zealander. So that's pretty cool. Um, just in terms of like, people don't quite understand the the rivalry between New Zealand and Australia. Do you, do you get a lot of shit uh, being from New Zealand and, and you know living there in uh, Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a bit, I suppose, <laughs> the, the most similar thing, uh, rivalry I can think of is the, U.S. Canadian rivalry. Uh, yep, it's a real call thing. Them, Yeah, New Zealanders see themselves as the little brother, where Australia is like the bigger country, big brother. So, yeah, um, it's it's been alright since I've been here actually, because New, New Zealand's the All Blacks have won majority of the games. That's right. Yep, you but guys. Rugby, yeah, it's been good, but probably other sports like cricket's a big um, game in both countries. Um, mm -hmm. not so good. Gotcha. Well, I'll tell you, man, we're super excited to have you join the Free Jacks organization. Just give us a quick origin story with rugby. Obviously, as a New Zealander, I'm sure you were born with a rugby ball in hand. But uh, when did you realize you wanted to be you know, involved in rugby more than just you know, age grade and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm probably one of the, um, the only, especially around my age, for my generation, I didn't play school, school ball rugby. Mm-hmm. My um my school I think it was the only school in Auckland that didn't have uh, like a first fifteen like the first team rugby team we just we didn't have enough players and we we're quite a big school but school we were quite a well known um, badminton team okay uh, badminton school sorry and table tennis so didn't really play until I left school it's just it was the thing that all my friends were going to play at the local rugby club. Um, so I kind of just went along and it was like, it's literally my back, my back fence or mm -hmm. jump through another fence and I'm at the rugby club and it's kind of where everyone hung out. Gotcha. Yeah. That's awesome. Love the community aspect of that for sure. There's a Charlotte rugby club where I cut my teeth at here, um, uh, in the South. Uh, it's basically in a residential area, the, the actual club. And it's one of the few clubs that actually have a, a dedicated clubhouse right there. Um, so I guess, you know, kids, if they were interested, they could just jump the fence and be right there at the, at the rugby pitch. So very, very cool. Give us a brief, brief background of your player career and also your coaching career so far. Um, let's talk about that. 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I started playing my local rugby club. So local rugby clubs called Pakaranga. It's not one of your stronger clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went along and played for a club called University in Auckland. Um, with a lot of a lot of my mates played there. Um, just real good, you know, a real lad sort of club. Like, yep. Lots of beers. Um, really enjoyed our time. Probably a bit too much off the field um, than we did on the field, but. Yep. We had some really good players there um, who were just starting out in their careers. Like, had like Jerome Kano, Joe Othokoiko, um, wow. John Boer, who's still playing now. Um, and a couple of my good mates played there. We all lived together. Two guys, um, Daniel Braid and Angus McDonald. So we lived in the same flat with a couple of other mates. Um, so really good players, but we probably just weren't as serious as we should have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from there, I went to Ireland. It was actually through Mike Rogers got me to Ireland for um, for an off season. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So went to um, went to Ireland. That was awesome experience. I opened. I ended up staying there for four years, um, and just going back and forth. Um, so I played a season in Ireland, and when the off season, I'd go back home and play an off season at home. Um, I actually did an off season um, in America for Belmont Shore. Okay. Yep. Sure. Yeah. One of the one of the best clubs in the United States. You know, a very historic club for sure. Yeah, it was awesome. Loved it. Like it was. Um, it was a Super League time. We actually lost in the final to Nyack, New York. Wow. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. So we love to beat yeah. Nyack around here at Mystic River, uh, Mystic River Country yeah. around here. So yeah, for sure. Um, I, that's interesting. What was the cultural clash between, you know, growing up in New Zealand and then going to Ireland, a very, very different place in the world? I mean, sp- speak the same language, but I mean, what was that like? Yeah, massive, massive difference, especially because I'd never been that side of the world before. But right. um, I think, you know, the more you travel around rugby, the more you find that rugby, the rugby communities, it's got its similarities, which... Mm-hmm bring us together mm-hmm. and then the things that um the intricacies that the, the differences kind of sets them apart but it's really it kind of defines that area like it's an awesome community like rugby in ireland you know it's um it's a tough old slog in the wet <laughs> right. you learn to appreciate like i learned to appreciate set piece and game management whereas yeah. new zealand is just let's have a crack we'll run the ball from everywhere yeah have a bit of fun the the post matches are, are the same, you know. Like you can beat the shit out of each other for eight minutes, and then right. you. I actually think you probably have more beers in Ireland than we did in New Zealand. So makes sense, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> they like to drink uh, over there. Yep. Yeah, I think absolutely. One of my very first games, we were playing down in Limerick, which is is known as a bit of a tough city, and mm-hmm. there was um. Like you were saying before, it, this ground was a, a community ground, in a, and it was surrounded by a housing project. Mm-hmm. And there's a big fence around it, but kids, you know, would just um, jump on the back of their sheds and they'll just lie there. And they all had BB guns. I don't know what you call BB what? guns. What? <laughs> yeah, got shot in the back of the leg. I actually thought I did my hemi. We're running down the sideline and got shot with a BB gun in the back of the leg and turned around. Wow. And Kids were cracking up on the roof of their shed. Now that's a first. I've never heard somebody being shot with a BB while playing rugby. That's pretty wild, right there. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think it's it was part of the uh, intimidation of going to the ground. 
Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't think so, MLR would yeah. allow us to have BB guns at Fort Quincy, but uh, we love that intimidation uh, atmosphere for sure. Um, so yeah, that's something we'll have to brainstorm about. So th this is interesting. I, I was an asshole and was playing the whole down, you know, uh, uh, man down under song minute work. <laughs> Thinking that you were an Australian. Sorry about that. Um, but I wanted to ask you about former Free Jacks uh, head coach Ryan Martin has a lot of history with the Melbourne Rebels, previously yep. serving as the skills and kick strategy coach and also as the attack coach. He's one of those. Uh, did he point you in the direction of the Free Jacks or was it Mike Rogers that we just learned about uh, was uh, pointing you in the direction of Ireland previously? Um, no, no, it was, it was definitely Mardo. Great man. Um yeah, yeah. So I love stuff for Ted Lasso. Oh yeah, um, I love that guy. Uh, yeah. He's he's been on the show, you know, when he was the head coach um, multiple times. Really appreciated what we did very very early on. So we got a love a lot of love for that guy. Um, yeah. So he basically said, you know, go to the Free Jacks, they're great. Or how did that whole go down? How that how that happen? He, he kind of um, I was at the point where I probably needed to. I was doing assistant defense with the head coach at, at the Rebels, mm -hmm. and he probably saw before I did that I needed to probably branch out a little bit and own something of my own. Mm -hmm. um, so we were just talking over beer, actually. We just went for a few beers around Richmond here in, uh, in Melbourne. He said, why don't you um, – he loved this time in Fijek so much. Yeah. And he said, the similarities in um, Melbourne and Boston, both sports-loving sports mad cities mm -hmm. said you love it up there um nice. and it, it kind of just started from that and then um started exploring it probably a bit more with tk spoke to tk um and just saw what an awesome operator tk is um yes yep we're very very lucky to have him yeah, yeah we're we're big tk fans on the show here 100 percent. yeah and he's big fans of us, which is great. We we have him on quite often. I think he's, he holds the record as the most appearances on this show. We're going to have him on uh, next month as well. So love TK. But, you know, Ryan Martin's a guy that, you know, we – you know, just his one year here, we knew that this guy was going to do bigger and better things in rugby. And we've got a good one with Scott Matthew, as I'm sure you know, uh, as, as the head coach. But uh, we definitely miss Marto. He was fantastic. And it's so cool that – he has such a great impression of the Free Jacks when he was here. That that reputation is kind of going out globally as a great organization to be a part of. And what this league is all about, MLR, in my opinion, is especially at this point of its history, is you know it's whether it's players or coaches that need to like you know branch out, as you said, or just you know go someplace and kind of prove themselves to a certain extent or get better. Um, this is a great place to do that, and the Free Jacks are a great organization to do that as well. Um, do you have any uh, teaching uh, history? Uh, are you a teacher? Because it seems like a lot of our guys uh, are, are teachers, you know, in the staff. Is that something that, uh, that you're focused no, on as well? well no, um, no teaching qualification or teaching, but I did um, early on. I wanted to go play rugby in, um, in Japan. Okay, yep. Um, and... To play rugby in Japan, or one of the ways without having a, a degree, you could um, you could do teaching English as second language. Mm -hmm. so I did that in Auckland, like in preparation to go to Japan. Did okay. that for almost two years, but then um, ended up going to Ireland of of all places. So, which <laughs> <is so bad. laughs> yeah, no Japanese speaking speaking there. So, 
Um, wanted to ask you, what's your impressions of this team? The Free Jacks organization, obviously, just winning the championship in 2023. You know, going to have a solid squad, I'm sure. You know, those announcements are slowly rolling out, but we expect to have a very, very competitive squad. What's your impressions of the team, and have you been able to watch the games from 2023 or any highlights of the of the organization from last year? Yeah, definitely. I um, I watched Proven. I think I'm going through my third nice my third run now. And I think yeah. what I got from that is um, for a young club, like the Freejacks have an identity. Like mm -hmm. it, and it's what I really like about it. It's tied to the, the city and the people. Like it's, it's, it's a pressure game. It's hard work. It's effort. And I think when I think of Boston and, um, you know, like Boston Strong and so many good um, boxers, I've got – I love fight sports, so I think Boston's just tough. You know, fighters that come out of Boston are tough, yep. and I think that's the way the Free Jacks play. Like, yes. if, you, if I look at that final, you know, like there's Ma'anonu, you know, like all the names, mm -hmm. if you're looking at a piece of paper, the names would say San Diego should win this game. Right. But that's not what character's about, you know, like you can't measure that character, and that's what the Free Jacks for such a young club have that identity as – it's about character. It's about guys that will work hard for each other. And you can see that in the things they do off field that Scott and, and Mike did, you know, like the, the vault, you know, how, how yeah. connected they were. Yep. Like, I just think like um, teams like that, you just want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like guys are really selfless. They work hard for each other. Um, and in some cases, it's probably the hardest thing to instill in the team, that ability to work hard for each other. Mm -hmm. Like you can have all the big names. As I was saying before, with um, when I was young with university, like we had big names, but yeah. we worked hard off the field, but we didn't work hard on the field. Right. I got to tell you, Palm, what you're saying is music to our ears because it sounds like you immediately understand and get, you know, what, what's taking place here with the culture of this team. And with Mike Rogers leaving, he's, he was kind of like the culture centric guy. And one thing in the back of my mind, you know, just coming into this offseason was we knew he was going to leave. You know, he's taken over there at Manawatu down there. Um is the culture going to continue that 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 strong culture in the locker room? Is that going to continue? Because it was a huge part of the success. As you were saying, if you look up and down the rosters in that final, you're going to recognize a lot of the names on San Diego and maybe not so much with the Free Jacks. But the Free Jacks, because they really love each other and were truly together as a team, I think I think it was just that extra one percent that got them over the line in that final. So, um, you know, that grittiness, that toughness, that's all about this area. And it's so great that the organization has really molded that into this team. Um, and I think that's important going forward. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you're, you're, you're gathering that from the documentary, which is fantastic. I'm sure we're going to have to watch it over and over again uh, as the season gets closer because we're all ready to, to get uh, everything kicked off. So how would you describe your coaching style? I'm very curious about this. Um, I think relationships is a big thing for me. So mm -hmm. caring, I am. Um... I really like that you use love. Like, um, I think you know, and most people will say love doesn't belong in a in a in a sports team environment, especially one, you know, like where you're trying to smash each other physically mm -hmm. and hurt people. But I, I think like love's a big, it's a big, it's a, it's part of care. Like, if you care for something, you love it. Like, you may not be in love with the whole time, but you know, just in a relationship, but. I think love is the um, the intent to act 
in someone else's better um, best interest. So that's a massive thing for your care and and loving the people that you're working with. Um, so it's probably uh, for for Kiwis. It's kind of like it's part of like those go hand in hand with rugby. Like I was speaking to Mike yesterday, I had a catch up with him, like sort of like a just a casual chat, a handover, and it's something that I think. We we care about the rugby so much that we care about the experience. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole experience is part of um, it's how it's not my intent, but it's how people um, their how their experience how it affects them. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I think for me, it's you've got to create that environment where players are getting better. Players know that they're cared for, and you know, and all that happens off field, and then. The way that they can they show that through actions is on field. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I'm a big culture. Um, I, I don't like using the word culture, but I love having care and connection with the players. And then on field, I just think it's competition. Like you know, um, competition brings enjoyment. I want players competing all the time, competing all the time, competing to get better, competing for themselves. Like with its micro skills from a defense point of view. Is how can I get it's one percent? It's like how can I get a better punch wrap? How can I get my foot closer to make a better tackle? Um, and from that, the competition to get better and better comes competence. So by the end of it, we're hoping that players walk away, whether they stay at Freejack if we want them to, or wherever else they go to, they say I actually got better throughout the year by mm-hmm. being coachably and by having an awesome community and culture, um, not just by playing games. I got to tell you, it's almost like this organization knows what they want and are just kind of like trying to continue to, you know, find guys that fit that fit that mold, which, you know, I, I think you're going to fit in very, very well with this organization based on what you're saying, because it's just kind of a continuation to a certain extent of where we were uh, in, under previous regimes and uh, just moving that forward, which is very, very exciting. I know a lot of Rangers out there are going to listen to this, whether it be now or in the future, are going to be smiling, as I was smiling, listening to what you had to say there, because it's it's all, you know, it goes into the success of this organization, what has taken place in the past, and how we want to move forward with this is uh, is everything that you described there, which is really, really encouraging stuff. Um, My final question here, and I apologize, Dave, I might have stepped on your toes there, because we were talking before, uh, you know, going live about how we don't do any questions that aren't written down. And I, I kind of w- worked one in there that like might have stepped on his toes. So I apologize about that. But uh, what I got for you here is uh, what were your impressions of Scott Matthew and Will Webster um, talking with them? I'm sure that you've had some conversation with those guys who are continuing on uh, with the staff here. Um, you know, you guys have different nationalities and stuff like that. But, you know, what's your take on on them? Yeah. Um, so from TK, I got talking to Scott. So probably um, even before I signed, I'd spoken to Scott a few times. Mm-hmm. And um, what I love about South Africans is I, I almost think that sometimes their passion for rugby is unmatched. You know, like it's unmatched. Like mm-hmm. we love rugby, but I think for South Africans, it's it holds a, a, a different meaning because it's got a different, you know, because of – um, the, the the troubles the country have had, rugby is that glue, that binder that brings everything together. Like no matter what problems I have being had in South Africa, rugby is the thing that 
brings and galvanizes everyone and brings everyone together. And when I spoke to Scott, I could really feel that like his passion for the game, his passion for uh, he he loves the Frisiacs community. You know he and what someone that's always I think with his passion, he just he just wants to learn and get better. And he you know, it takes a lot of humility. He said, you know. Um, with Mike moving on, the culture side was something that Mike was really strong on. But he's, you know, like when I talk to Scott now, I actually think he's a lot better than what he think he, he is at the culture stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just he's genuine. You know, you can feel his passion. Um, and he, from talking not just to Scott but other people, he genuinely cares about the people that he works with and and works for. So. Um, that's my impressions of Scott, and I'm actually looking forward, looking forward to working with him, because he reminds me a lot of um, our head coach, head coach I've been working under. Uh, very similar, awesome people, like passionate, just love people. Um, so the, the the mantra that our coach down here has is love. Like that's the uh, that's what we have all the all over the walls. Nice and. Yeah, so it's so for me, it's look. It feels like I'm working. I'm going into work with someone really similar, um, mm-hmm. but I can bring like New Zealanders a bit different to to South Africans. We're probably a bit more. Well, I wouldn't say gentle, but you know, like we'll probably um, focus on that side of things more, like the uh, camaraderie, you know, the 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 culture, the brotherhood off the off the field. We focus mm-hmm. a, a little bit more on that. I think. Sure. And then, um, and then Will, um, you know, for for a young man in age, he's got a lot of wisdom and some really awesome detail around his coaching. Um, so it's um, it's scary to think how good he, you know, that like how he could be by the time yep. he uh, by the time he finishes up. So because he's again someone that's you know he's just got a thirst for knowledge, just just wants to keep improving, get better. Mm-hmm. And I think you're very lucky to be a player if you're coming to an environment where you've got those those coaches uh, looking after you. You got a guy that's so invested in his learning that to make you a better player. Like Will is invested in his learning. He he he's, he wants to know stuff so the for the benefit of the player. And Scott is just you know cares has a lot of passion for for people for for the club. Um, yeah, just think you're you're pretty you'll be pretty lucky to find um, coaches in any club like that. Uh, listen, I absolutely have to agree on this one. You know, for us to retain a champion-winning head coach who has, I'm sure, other opportunities that he could explore is fantastic. He's a great up-and-coming coach, the giant killer, if you will, from South Africa, and then Will Webster coming back, a young, energetic. As you're saying, wise beyond his years, he is going to have a great, great career in rugby somewhere down the road. He's going to be a head coach somewhere. We're very, very lucky to retain them and to add you into the mix with your experience with the Melbourne Rebels and their pathway is coming up. I'm super, super excited about this season. I'm going to turn you over to Dave, his very, very capable hands. I appreciate your time, Pom. No worries. Thank you. He's a patient man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get to, I get to bring in all the uh, uh, all the weird questions and the nuts and bolts stuff now. Uh, that, that's what I really enjoy. Um, so we know that for the Free Jacks, uh, they love this last season to generate turnovers and use those turnovers to attack their opponents. Right? 
Um, the Rebels last season, they put up some tremendous numbers in those areas. Uh, second in tackle turn, a uh, second in overall turnovers, first in tackle turnovers. Um, it feels like a really good fit, just right out of the gate. You know, bringing those you know sorts of, of skills and focus. Um, what made that Melbourne Rebels team so good at winning turnovers? Um, I think, you know, like you were saying, um, I think turnovers is, you know, the, oh, it, it is, you know, more, more tries are turnover, uh, scored from turnovers than any other possession. Um, and then you've got lineouts. But so it, it was just a way that we didn't have the players that the athletes, some of the New Zealand teams did. So we looked at it and there's a way that we can probably close that gap is to attack them when they're, they're least expected or off, attack them off turnovers. So that's probably why we worked really hard on um, trying to generate um, spark opportunities or um, I think Mike called it home runs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, yep. we called it because we wanted guys just to click um, spark up as soon as we got turnovers. So we worked really hard on that on the back of a uh, a kicking game and trying to dominate contact either in the tackle or breakdowns to try and create those opportunities to to attack. That's so great. I, I think it's um it's important to from a defense point of view to have an end goal. Like you can, that's awesome. The All Blacks were you can make um you can make thirty to seven tackles in in a, in a phase. You can survive right. this phase phases but there needs to be an end goal and the end goal is you, you got to try and win the ball back otherwise you're probably tackling for another 37 so um if i use an analogy of a um like a heavyweight boxer a lightweight probably throws about you know 30 punches well why why survive 30 punches if you can just knock them out in one and get the ball back yeah, that's perfect. It's a perfect analogy. Just get the job done. I love the idea of having the end goal for your defense. Like we're not just here to stop or to make good tackles, but then to turn a stop and a good tackle into a turnover and turn that into attack. Yeah. Um, you have a pretty diverse background athletically. Um, how has martial arts training been something that added to your um abilities as a coach and how is have you brought that to the teams that you've worked with yeah um so what i love about martial arts is it's such a discipline and i only picked it up when um when i was in ireland the club i was playing for actually got a jiu-jitsu coaching to help us with the contact stuff and then um, in the off season i just keep going along more more so to learn just being comfortable in, in really tight spaces, how to use your body. And then I probably just kept that on when I was still playing. I um, kind of used those. And you, you know when you use something that you learn and you get results from it? Yep. You, just, you keep wanting to doing, keep more and more and more. So when, when I finished playing, I um, joined a, a MMA gym, um, not just for the actual physical, but um just to watch how mma coaches coach like it's a big group it's one-on-one often um and a lot of their um instruction is within the heat of combat so guys could be sparring and it's how calm they are and um and how precise with the the coaching they are so it it wasn't just a joint to learn 
the, the actual physical stuff. I kind of just took notice of that, um, started watching. There's a, a great MMA, uh, sorry, jiu-jitsu coach based in, in New York. He's actually a Kiwi who got injured playing rugby, and then he moved to New York, Columbia University. And like when I watch him coach, he's got like the same same tone no matter what the situation is. Like he's so calm, and his message always just gets across, gets across. Um, so I like watching people like that, and then obviously the physical stuff, like how to control someone's body, how to maneuver someone in a way where you've got better opportunities at getting the ball and I think that's what we did with the Rebels this year. We um, this is we did two years of jiu-jitsu, um, got all the players in there, and that's a way. When we when you say tackle turnovers, um, we I think we were second. We the, one of the big learnings is not everyone that I learned from first year to second year. Not everyone tackles the same and is comfortable tackling the same. So a, a big tall lock, he's not comfortable dropping his head and making a low tackle. So I said, why? Just let them stay high and they can maneuver people using jiu-jitsu and they can rip the ball that way so um that's probably how i've um, used martial arts to come into um and brought it into into rugby i love that i have to confess now that i actually before i started playing rugby i started with rugby when i was 20 years old and right before that for about a year and a half i did jiu-jitsu and I'd still, you know, I I kitted up for a match last week. Like twenty years later, I'm still playing club rugby. And there's no way I would have played this long if I hadn't learned in jujitsu just how to go into a big collision, but not even, you know, to to, to come out on top and to control those those forces and, and to learn, you know, the the wrestling and that close work that lets you really just take control of turn a bad situation into into a good situation, or sometimes just get out. Yeah, I agree. And even um, if you think about player safety and player and injury prevention, like, you know, jujitsu guys, when they shoot, their head's always up and they go front foot down when you're shooting for a takedown. Mm-hmm. And we, what we've been taught rugby the whole time, you drop your head. As soon as you drop your head, you don't know what's, you don't know what the player, the attacking player could make movement really late. And that's how you get knocked out. And now you're out of the game for, you know, and, too many, you know, like head knocks is it's a massive problem in the game. So I yeah. think, you know, and the I don't know if you know the jiu-jitsu coach John Donahue. No, I don't. Uh, he's um he's Gordon Ryan's coach. He coaches okay. out of yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Um, like and just their detail, you know, like around moving their body, safety, um, bracing for falls. I think all that stuff could be really useful for kids. Yep coming into rugby and I'm the same I probably um I played rugby until I was 36 and I wouldn't have played that long had I probably without jiu-jitsu yeah that when you mentioned how fun it is to apply something you've learned and 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 see it work the the first thing I probably noticed was actually falling in rugby that jiu-jitsu had taught me how to fall and get back to my feet pretty quickly you know because you don't want to get caught in a bad position um and that just was so useful so many times in rugby, uh, just the ability to hit the ground and, you know, do a, do a hip roll or something, you know, just be able to yeah. spring right back to your feet. Um, yeah, I, I love that idea, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that uh, looks like on the field. Um, you talked about how a big 
player, you know, I could think in a lock, a tall guy who's not as comfortable getting low might tackle. What about the flip side? What if you have like a scrum half or a wing who's not a big guy and has to, you know, make one of those tackles on a, a front row forward or, or an eight man who's, who's crashing the line? What do you, how do you coach that scenario? Yep. Um, and it, it probably the situation changes would change, will, will, will obviously change what tackle you use. Um, say a nine, an eight picking off in a nine, you know, it might be you're just buying time. So you, you can um, you can go high, get some underhooks on them until you get that help from a flanker who, who's going to take at his feet. Whereas if you're on the edge and your last defender, well, you're probably going to have to, you're going to have to chop tackle now to try and get the big man down. And I think like you've got to, you've got to train practice all of them to find the one for you. Um, like I'm a big, I'm a big believer is you find what you're good at and we make that really good rather than trying to learn five different tackles and being 20% at all five. Just focus on the one that's, like I said, if locks, if, if you're a lock and you don't want to drop your head or if you're scrum half and you don't want to drop your head either, well, let's work on, um, I'm big on getting, you know, like getting underhooks, you know, in, in, no matter what size you are, if uh, a small guy gets underhooks on you, you're getting you're getting maneuvered the way that he wants you to to move. Yeah. And in a lot of those situations, it's probably just you're just holding someone up until someone else comes and helps. Yeah, excellent. Um, <clears throat> do you think of it as how how I'm trying to think of how I'm trying to phrase this question. Um, is it discrete, different tools in the toolbox, those different tackles, or is it a little bit akin to in jujitsu, like finding a flow and being able to try one and like that didn't work and transition to a different, you know, technique. Yeah. Is that part of what you, you work on as well? Like you went for the chop tackle and he, you know, you bounced off, but you're, you know, now chop tackle is probably not a good example. Maybe you go high and like you, you didn't get the underhooks, but now you're in a, a different body position. Do you look at that flow? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, and and again, like the flow is different for everyone, right? Like you find if you don't get underhooks, well, there might be some way. Um, so I'm big on second. Hopefully, other people aren't watching, but I'm big on. <laughs> They're not. They don't like us. They don't like me and Phil. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'll say like so. When, when I I'm big on doubles for if guys are going high, and yeah. then. Uh, the second, or so if it's a nine and you've been bounced off, you can come back into the contact and maneuver your way behind the player. So you, you almost got like a, like a rear naked, but you're not going for the neck. But what that does is, and then your main focus, if you're the guy behind, it's just to control the non-carrying arm. So that's all your focus is. Um, to give the other guy in front, so he now he's fighting, ripping the ball, but he's only fighting one arm, so the, the ball carrier's grip's not that great. Um, and the, the second thing that does is it gets a body in the way of the cleaners. Now they've got to go through a secondary body, and it might be that second that, that we need to get us a turnover or to hopefully um, keep them up and we get the scrum. Excellent. I love that. Um, my last tackle-related question is, do you think you can somehow make Vian Conradi hit people even 
harder than he currently does because that would be really cool but i don't know if it's possible yeah i don't know that might be a public safety problem <laughs> that's right we'll have the u.s geological survey people just up in arms about the tectonic activity in quincy if we have uh being hitting people anymore well um that has been a really fun to talk to you about tackle technique and and how martial arts is figured into your coaching um joe harvey did a really good interview with you that was in talking rugby union last week so if people found that those questions interesting there's there's more detail there and i would encourage people to go uh read that um shifting towards player development you manage the rebels pathways uh you coach development sides um you also helped host a event called rugby palooza which i like just based on the name alone is community rugby development something that drives you as a coach? Yeah, massively, massively. Because I think I'm from the community myself. Like I'm not a I'm not a big name that's finished playing and just gone straight into coaching. I've come from the community. Like I started coaching um, club rugby, uh, age grade, what we call cults here, like under twenties. Mm -hmm. um, that's my pathway. So for for me to 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 get to where I am and not give back, that'll be really ungrateful of me. So I think it's important that whatever knowledge I gain, I need to share it back to the community. And so the next World Websters that are coming through, they've got their knowledge and they've got my knowledge. And, you know, that's the evolution of how you bring your community up. It's important that I've learned from people before me, had a great, great mentor or a couple of great mentors. Um, one of them's coaching the Blues. Um, the guy that got me into coaching, and he's done the same for me. So I, I, I'm just following what someone else has done, and I hope like, I'd love to get down to club rugby and um, when when I get to states, get down to club rugby and help um, any way I can. If if, if, you know, if pubs are willing to have me, I'll be down there play a bit of touch. And, and uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll be more than happy to have you. The Free Jacks have been really generous to the the club rugby community um already they, they are sending players around they have for years sent players around i mean right when the team started up i was coaching in boston and um it really you know made an impression not only did the free jacks send a player to do some scrum coaching for my club just just to do some coaching you know at no cost or anything obviously just yeah tell us when practices we'll send somebody by um but our backs didn't have anything to do at that time and a free jacks player was coaching another team sharing the field you know he wasn't there in his capacity as a free jacks guy he was there as a you know a paid coach of another team he brought our backs over because he saw that you know they didn't have anything to do so he ran a backs clinic while a forward from the team ran a forwards clinic and it, i mean it really made a big impression on me it showed the commitment that they have to lifting up the community game as well and i think it's i think it's paid dividends you know the the club club game has gotten better around boston and it's helped make you know a, a really loyal fan base for the team as well yeah it's, it's amazing you know just from watching proven how much um you can tell by you can tell that the, the free jacks obviously do a lot of community engagement by the, the game day experience yeah like it looks amazing like that's how you i think what what's awesome about mlr is everything like you don't have tradition to, to hold you down like rugby can be a bit like upper you know like uppity and you know rugby here when rugby in new zealand probably wouldn't even think of having a uh, a tailgate party 
or having a concert after the game. Like, yeah. That's how, that's how you drive engagement. That's how that's what people want to come and see. Like, you don't want to pay a hundred dollars to take your family to a rugby and just get the rugby game. Like you want the whole experience. And um, and my worry is rugby down this you know in the traditional areas they're just gonna they're gonna lose to you know your upcoming like your basketball basketball so massive because you get the whole experience. It's not just what happens on the field. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly something that the Free Jacks have excelled at. It is, you know, it, it's helped them to get eyes on the sport who might not otherwise be there. Like, obviously, there's, like, marketing and promotional value to be gained from having concerts and events. But I really think this season, especially this past season, it's become evident with the expanded concerts that they've done. It really is community-driven. You know, it's not just a marketing thing that it's... I mean, after the game, fans are on the field where they just watched, you know, for 80 minutes, they watch their team play and win because in Quincy, the Free Jacks win. Um, so, you know, you get to watch the Free Jacks win at home and then you go on the field. Everybody's hanging out. The kids are running around tackling each other and climbing the walls and the fences. There's a band on stage. People have beers. We're all shooting the shit. You know, it, it's really a great time. It's something Coach Matthew has talked about, how much he enjoys it. You know, everybody's there. In how many sports can you walk onto the field after the game? Players from both teams are there. Coaches from both teams are there. Fans from both teams are there. And, you know, you've, you've even got owners, managers. Everybody's there. You can walk up to anybody and strike up a conversation. You know, it's yeah. it's really a unique environment. And it's it, there's a lot to be said, you know, for the work the Free Jacks have done to create it. Yeah. No, it's amazing. I think that's, um, you know, we when you have that connection and community to the players, and when the, so when Scott gets up on a Saturday morning for the game and says, look, you're playing for something bigger than what you are, well, players know. Like, oh, yeah, I met, you know, Bob was um, was working at his building, at his temper company. He's put aside that this much money each week to come and support me. Like, now you've got actual connection to the actual community because you can do things like that. Compared to, like, Super Rugby where... As soon as the game's finished, the players go off, they get their ice baths or whatever, the fan goes home, like there's no um, interaction and connection. Yeah, it's uh, certainly the fans love it. Uh, the players, you know, they, most of them love it. I think, you know, I always think, man, how much would I love walking around in front of the, you know, the 100, 200, 300 people right after a game? <laughs> Um, but man, it, they seem to they seem to enjoy it plenty more than I probably would. Uh, it's always great, um, really enjoyable. House if you're winning too, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun when you've won. Um, coming to the United States, are you excited to visit the U.S.? Have you been here before? Um, and is there anywhere that you're particularly looking forward to visiting? Um, yep. So I have my wife. My uh, first time I went to the States, my wife and I were just dating. Um, it was their 21st, and we went to LA for um, for a holiday. And it's kind of like, you know, your first holiday together? Like, it might be yep. a deal, but it's make or break. So it must have been all right, because I'm still here and she's still here. Um, so that was my first time in LA. And then um, I came back and did a, a season with Belmont Shore. Oh, right, right, right. Yep. Yeah. 
um yeah so i'm really looking forward to it probably i've never been to the east coast which is um what i'm really excited so probably um boston and new york is i think you know the tradition it's going to be really different to the west coast like yeah uh, like you know vegas is pretty fake like you know that's <laughs> but where you've got and now you've got the east coast where there's so much you know like there's tradition you know the, the different um nationalities the migrants that moved there to and made the new york and boston what it is today um and then obviously uh boston being a sports mad country uh, city so i'm i'm looking forward to being um getting involved into that and going along to uh red Sox and celtics yeah sports mad is is definitely right as we speak the celtics are beating the knicks in their season opener 108 to 104 so uh hopefully that score stands when we go to the presses but um yeah there it's it, year round they're talking about somebody whether it's the celtics or the Sox or the the pats or the free jacks there's always somebody at the you know top i don't know how many sports talk radio stations we have in boston more than more than any city needs yeah um <laughs> But it's definitely a big part of the culture, including the you know the big bombastic takes and the <laughs> the wild sports opinions and and everything else that goes along with it. Um, how about your family? Are they excited to come visit the U.S.? Um, and it wouldn't be a Jacks Rangers coach interview if we didn't talk about how awful the winter will be, you'll freeze, it'll be super cold, all that. Are you looking forward to earning the spring, as we say around here? That's a good way of putting it. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've, I've just I've just come back. I had five days in Bali, and I was like, I'm, I'm sick of the heat. It was like, <laughs> so I generally, um, uh, I like the cold, but I think the uh, the Boston cold, it's a different cold. I probably didn't know what cold was until I get there. So I'll yeah. see. I'll just have to see when I get there. See how see how it goes. Yeah, just bring a coat. We've heard a few horror stories of people showing up in February or not in February in, in January, and you know they've got a hoodie like that. They've they've got that, but uh, the reality of the Boston winter hits you pretty quick uh, if you're not if you're not prepared. What's uh, what's the um, typical temperature around Jan? Um, probably in Celsius, it would probably be a couple degrees above zero, you know, just the average daily temp, just barely not freezing. Yep. But then we'll have stretches of five, six, seven days where, you know, not every, not frequently, but one or two each winter usually, where you'll have a good week where it doesn't get above freezing outside. Yep. Might just bring us cut holes in a sleeping bag and walk around in that. <laughs> it's a good way. It's a good way to do it. The other the other thing that gets people is like the snow doesn't melt. So if you get a good snowstorm and then the next week it's warm, the piles of snow just stay. It takes, you know, it takes weeks of warm temperature to actually melt, you know, these little mini glaciers. So very quickly the snow the beautiful snow piles become trash ridden gray <laughs> heaps of dirt that you know you just really hope you don't fall in as you're walking by on your way to the mint you know there in in quincy so but it's a lot of fun this has been great talking to you can't wait to uh see you around quincy and around boston um thank you so much for your time i'm sure phil has a few more things um but best of luck on the transition over here and 
let's ride. Hell yeah! Thank you very much. Thank you. Looking forward to it. If you've got a um, if you've got a jujitsu gym that's close, can you see? Um... Ooh, I don't. Uh, I I was down in Connecticut years ago when I when I started. So I'm not I'm not the right person. But I, I have a couple connections. I can at least ask around. If I get any good leads, I'll let you know. Maybe somebody listening will have a good uh, have a good lead too. So if you if you know a good jujitsu gym in Boston, reach out to the show. Reach out to Palm and uh, let them know. I know a guy uh, that w- I was just talking to the ju- about jujitsu to him yesterday. Um, he's a season ticket holder, and uh, we've got a, a very, very exciting announcement coming up soon that we're going to share with everybody. So I'll get you connected with him, Palm. He'll he'll know somebody for sure that'll be able to 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 help you out. Um, I wanted to open up the floor to you to speak directly to the Free Jacks fans, the hardcore Rangers out there, as we like to call them, uh, the fans out there, what do you have to say to them as you, you know, approach, you know, getting to the United States sometime in the next couple of months and being the assistant coach of the Free Jacks going forward? Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'd say uh, looking forward to it is probably an understatement. Look, I, I'm, I just can't, I'm really excited. I can't wait to get down. Um, I've realized how the, you know, the enormity of the task at hand, you know, like to, to, um, to be replacing someone off um, Mike's stature and, and what they call in New Zealand, like mana, which is, uh, I, there's no word for mana, but, you know, that's, for me, that's what Mike has. Um, but very honored to be working with TK, um, Scott, Will, and the whole club, um, to do something pretty special, like to try and um, put back-to-back years together, like that you can be really proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what the the club has done in um, keeping that core group, you know, major- I think I'm the only new staff coming in. You know, yeah. it's unheard of. And so to have come into an organisation where everyone's staying on bar one is um, – it says a lot about the community, the club, and people wanting to be involved in in the free jacks. And a lot of that is down because of the community. It's because of people. It's um, you know you, people don't work and stay in the place because if they if they're not invested in their community. Um, so to see uh, again, just from proving to see the amount of um, support that the free jacks have, and you know the how loyal and 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 awesome their, their fans are it's just something i can't wait to you know to, to get involved with and hopefully have uh create a lot lots of memories in, in quincy and and share a beer with um with fans after the game awesome really really excited about you joining up with the free jacks palm we'll see you very soon i'm sure you know the preseason's just right around the corner it's kind of getting to the point where like we're so excited about the season starting so we're just we're waiting for any news about you know players coming in we got some news today about some players joining us but uh everybody's just kind of like on the edge of their seat because we're getting into that point where anything is just like yes yes it's it's coming soon so we're really really excited to see you um and uh yeah I appreciate you being on here. We say one word to exit the video. It's huzzah. And we're going to say that in three, two, one. Huzzah. Huzzah. Woo.